Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live. We are not from the Bear Cave studio this time because El Oso is away in Puerto Rico and Stevie G is not with us tonight either. So you're stuck with just two of us. This is the encyclopedia. You could call me Blackbeard. You could call me Anthony. You could call me whatever the hell you want, but we'll just stick with the encyclopedia either way. And tonight we have with us once again the devil's advocate, Rob Faint. Anthony, in 2002, today, Edge and Hulk Hogan won the World Tag Team Championship. Sad day for wrestling. <laughs> you mean Hogan actually won a belt in the WWE that wasn't the world title? You mean Hogan actually shared the spotlight with somebody? Ooh. All right, moving on. <laughs> We're on fire. We're on fire. Well, and unlike that, that booking that day... Like, gentlemen, we don't run a sloppy shop. You know, he's getting a lot of crap for that. I'm reading that. <laughs> why they would care? I mean, I don't understand why he'd get criticism for that. He's paying, he's giving his people credit. You know? Like, and they've taken shots at WWE before. So exactly. Exactly. I don't understand what the big deal was with that. But uh, for yeah. those of you that didn't watch Fighter Fest night one, once you watch it, you'll understand. So, it's been a couple weeks since we've been on talking about current stuff. Um, We're not necessarily going to talk about current stuff as much anymore. I know I've said that a few times, but we're going to really try to focus on just general discussion topics and what have you. Some of it will be around current stuff, but um, giving the attention to the Dave Melsers, the Wade Kellers, the Colin Velasos, all those guys uh, over the years... um, going to try to stay away from that a little bit more. I know I've said that before, so call me out on social media if I do it again. Uh, so instead, we're going to talk about a couple different things. First off, uh, just last night, we did have night one of Fighter Fest and NXT. Now, both of these shows, first we know it's a two-night thing that they are doing here. Uh, it's kind of like a, I guess, their attempt at doing a pay-per-view quality show on regular TV uh, we did our picks. We did not announce them on the air because we literally wrapped them up probably right before we went to air. Um, but El Oso did give his picks. So did Stevie G. Uh, and obviously Rob and I were the committed to. Sorry, guys. I'm going to zing you there since you're not on here and can't defend yourselves. <laughs> but on the Fighter Fest night once, we had Rob. I'm sorry, friend. You finished in last with two and three. As always, I feel like my picks are always the right ones. So. That's all right. And then Freddie, Stevie G, and I all did, went three and two. So we didn't really do that much better. Now, on the NXT Great American Bash side, you actually closed the gap, at least on Freddie and Steven, a little bit. Uh, we, You and I both went four and one. So I won night one. Not that that means anything because we're going to combine all the results. Um, Stevie G went two and three on the NXT side. And then three and two for our boy Eloso down in Puerto Rico. So what matches did they get wrong? Just out of curiosity, since I didn't have a chance to look at it. Okay, so for let's go through the picks. Uh, the tag team championship for AEW, um, Rob got best friends wrong. Now, Rob's going to probably say, Anthony, I saw you had picked best friends. I actually changed it before they went to air. And it's in it's in the doc history. So No, it's fine. I, I just, um, I was surprised they didn't pull the trigger. It seemed, that would seem like a, a good progression, in my opinion, that it would have been okay for the, 
for best friends to win because they had all the momentum and yeah. that it would have been a good time for hangman and and uh omega to fall apart which they did hint at by the end of the show but uh i mean the i i actually as i was watching because i didn't watch it last night i watched it this morning we are recording on thursday night i did too <laughs> when they came out in trent's mom's van i was like oh shit did i get this one wrong <laughs> So that that was fun. Um, the part, just one other thing about that. The one thing I felt bad for them about is they had a really good match, and then they immediately, the best friends immediately got thrown aside for the next angle. Like they didn't get their handshakes, they didn't get like a pat on the back. They got basically, you know, we're moving on to the next angle now. Thanks, guys. And I felt a little bad for them because, you know, they made that, that match what it was by all winning all the matches before that. You know what I mean? I think they drew. They had a lot of momentum. They were. They had, the, I think, they had the people on their side for the most part, and now, you know, I don't know what happens to them now. So I felt a little bad that they didn't get their due at the end. As the match was starting, I was saying to myself, "Have they kind of lost momentum?" Not that they had lost any matches going into it, but I felt like they weren't being focused on much in the weeks leading in. Um, it was more about Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, which actually doesn't happen until next week. So that was part of the reason why I switched my pick. The other thing is there was that dissension in the ranks between Hangman and Omega really after the match. But going into the match the last month or so, they seem to have worked their issues out and been on the same page. And that's why I changed it last minute because I was saying to myself, something doesn't feel right about about that switch. Um, The other two matches that all of us got wrong were the other two tag team matches. We both picked Santana and Ortiz. And we both picked Wardlow and MJF. Um, did they miss the boat on the Wardlow MJF uh, having them lose? I, I was, I know Jurassic Express was the established tag team, so it makes more sense to have them go over. So I wasn't against it. I just thought MJF has had momentum really his entire run, and yet they seem to like they get to a point where they just like hit the pause button on that push. What do you think? Well, I'm, what I thought was interesting was after I made the picks. I thought about it. I'm like, you know, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy lost the last two matches. So it makes sense they'd win a tag team match because it really doesn't hurt the singles aspirations of MJF or Wardlow. So I almost went back and changed my picks, but then I left it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, now they're starting to tease the MJF-Wardlow break, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think they're, the problem with AEW right now is there's a lot of people that could be at the top. And they don't know what to do with everybody. So, like, they split, you know, if they split up uh, the Jurassic Express, you know, Luchasaurus could be a top guy. They could split up MJF and Wardlow. Either one of them could be top guys. They could split up Omega and Page. And, they're, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of guys, like, if they keep, don't keep these teams together, you're going to have a big cluster of guys trying to fight for the title. And they don't seem ready to do that yet. You know, they're, they seem to be happy letting Moxley run the show. So... See, and as I was as that match was starting, I was saying to myself, actually, I could see Wardlow and MJF. If you're not going to have MJF in the title picture going into All Out, uh, why wh- why not keep them in the tag division? Maybe they're the ones that could knock Omega and Hangman off. And then there was that whole thing with the diamond, the diamond, uh, whatever the hell, the, the diamond ring, even though it's not really a diamond ring, yeah. <laughs> or dynamite ring, whatever. But yeah, that whole spot. I mean, it was very well done with the dropkick forcing him to punch him. I thought, all right, that, that was pretty match. creative. Yeah, it was a fun match. Good opening match. It, it was a fun match. 
my thing with night one and we'll get into it more it's just the the style of wrestling but that's a bigger topic i want to talk to you about uh maybe we could get stevie g and freddie to discuss their opinion on that next time they're on the you fucked up moment of the week though for me came during night one and it wasn't anything that happened in the ring it was when the bad boy Joey Janela was trying to rip his shirt off to go after Murderhawk, and he couldn't seem to get the shirt off. And I'm sitting there trying not to smirk, and Jake the Snake was laughing, and I was like, "Is he laughing because he's laughing at him trying to take out his monster, or because he can't believe that this guy can't get his damn shirt off?" Could be both. It could be. I was just like, "Bro, you just ruined it. You can't even get your damn shirt off for this segment." I used to like when it happened to Hogan. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was entertaining. Um, I. There was stuff with the women's championship match. I thought Penelope Ford came out looking a little too strong. I mean, kicking out of the that version of the Michinoku tri- driver type move that Sheeta's done and is beating people with. I was like, and it was one of those things where finishers don't mean as much. I mean, she does have a couple other finishers. I had a problem with that. And then you got Cody, who I've been complaining about this since day one with AEW. He's got so much talent, and it just seems like his matches seem to get overbooked. I was at least happy to see he didn't do a blade job, but Jake Hager's wife, uh, Catalina, getting involved, and then Jake strangling Arn Anderson. And I was just like, this isn't. Why do we keep doing this? They could, Cody can have a great match without all this extra stuff. I mean, are we missing something here? Uh, why are they doing this? Do you think? Do you think it's necessary? Are you okay with all that? I don't think Cody is a great wrestler. I think, and I think part of it is he doesn't think he's a great wrestler. So I think he does a lot of this to cover up because I think his matches are pedestrian for the for the most part. I think his opponents, I think he wrestles to the level of his opponents a lot of cases, or I think his opponents wrestle better than he does and they make him look better because I don't I don't think he's great. I think he's good. He's not horrible, but he's not great. So I think that he he feels like to compensate, he's got to overbook. I mean, he also has a lot of. A lot of balls in the air. He's got Dustin, he's got Arn, and he feel I guess he feels like he's got to include everybody, which you don't have to do. And it all makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, he had that great match with Omega years ago, going back to the New Japan days. But yeah, very good match is not necessarily great. So maybe the actual night, American Nightmare is actually in his own mind. As the nightmare of, about whether he really is as good as he I mean, makes you could, himself out to be. You can name... I mean, you, you could probably pick one. You, I don't know how many matches you would name. Cody is great. Right? You said Omega, right? That was, I think, remember that match from America. It was pretty good. But, I mean, Kenny Omega can wrestle a broomstick and, and do a really yeah. good job. Yeah, and I, and I remember thinking that one, even that one was really overbooked. So maybe that's a Cody trait, um, taken after his dad. Because, I mean, was his was his dad really that great a wrestler? Oh, no. Dusty Rhodes was terrible. Right. He was entertaining as fuck. But, Dad, which I Dusty feel Rhodes like, was interviews. Yeah. And Dusty Rhodes was, you know, he didn't look like a wrestler. Yeah. He, he was the common man, you know what I mean? And people like that about him. He he, yeah. he wasn't in the regular mold. And his interviews were, you know, he was one of the, the best of all time. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the lead into this match, I actually, that whole press conference thing I thought was great um, with Jake Hager, especially when he put the fist out. That is such an MMA thing. They do that shit all the time. And I was like, wow, I like this, uh, the way they're going about it. So. Uh, but yeah, it just seems you got a guy like Hager. You, we said it about Murder Hawk with the world title or the TNT title. I'm sorry, we had Brody Lee. It's it's gonna probably happen to Brian Cage. We got all these 
these big towering guys and all of them seem to be doing job duty when they get to that title shot is who's going to be the first one that's actually going to get over on somebody, you know? Well, they're not fighting each other. Mm. Let me see yeah. Cage and Murderhawk go at it. It seems like all the big guys are, you know, the bad guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's let's like Cage could have come in and, and been a good guy and let him go after Murderhawk and let him go after Hager. You know what I mean? Like that might have been more interesting than what they're doing with him now. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, I feel like the big guys seem to get over more in the promoters' mind as heels uh, rather than faces, even though some of them have had success on that level. But um, interesting thing about Cody, also uh, on Twitter or on an interview, he basically said that he hoped NXT did great the Great American Bash brand justice. So lead in there to the Great American Bash on the NXT brand. Wait, before you get into that, which show did you think was better? <sighs> Honestly, I I think there were some things that AEW was slightly better. I think some things NXT were better. I had them pretty much even. And that was after watching NXT first and thinking, uh, AEW is probably winning this one. And then I watched the AEW and it's just the same old stuff that I have an issue with that was popping up again for the first time in a while. What did you think? Firefest was better so far. Okay. The ratings didn't prove that. Um, NXT actually got a higher number of viewers. Uh, the 18, the coveted 18, uh, uh, what is it, 49 or 55 still went to AEW, but I was a little surprised that the overall viewership went to NXT. I think what saved NXT was that women's match at the end, the Io Shirai Sasha Banks. Yeah, match. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, but the, the Loomis strong match was. Yeah. Ugh. It was way too long. Way too long. Yeah. And I like the strap matches when they're doing the four corners. I was kind of, and eh, when they announced that oh, was going to be for a pinfall. I mean, the the Aaliyah Robert Stone versus Rhea Ripley match, I didn't expect much out of it. That actually was better than I expected, somehow. Uh, Oni Lork and Timothy Thatcher, I like the ground wrestling style, but that's that's not what a lot of fans are interested in these days. I actually would have liked that match to have gotten more time and Rhea to have gotten less time. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been okay with that, too. Um, and then the Fatal 4-Way Elimination match for the number one contendership sh- spot. I was I was really excited for that one. I wanted to see Dakota Kai go over. I know you had picked her, and then Stevie G and Freddie both picked Mia Yim, which I understood that. Uh, that wouldn't have surprised me either. Tegan Knox. it seemed like half the match, there were a few spots where it just seemed like she was shocked and didn't know what to do next. Yeah. I, was, I like Mia Yim. I wish she would have won. I think she's the most polished out of the four, and for some reason they don't want to push her at all. See, she's come a long way. I remember this time last year, I thought, holy shit, she's still really green. Um, and I was really disappointed, and she just came out of nowhere, like really improved. Um, I think the only reason why I picked Kai was I think Kai's been on fire too as well. And and then you have Candice LeRae, the whole thing with Johnny Gargano and them trying to take over. I thought maybe they might do that. But the thing is, have we established, is Io Shirai's going to permanently be a face or a heel? And that's why I felt like they were going the face route with her, which was part of the reason why I picked Kai. Um, we do know next week we're going to get Dakota Kai. I'm sorry, we're going to get Candice LeRae and Mia Yim now in a street fight. So I guess we could see why that continued. But uh, yeah, and I think you, I'm assuming Freddie, and I all picked Io Shirai because we fully knew Oscar was probably doing some sort of run in there. Um, I'd almost want to see now Asuka come back next week, team up with Shirai to face Sasha Banks and Bailey on the second night of the Great American Bash. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets added. Um, 
did they add Cameron Grimes versus Damian Priest for next week? They keep hinting at it, but I, I, mean, I think they did. Okay. So we'll you see know there. what I find sad about the uh, women's division and for NXT is, or at WWE, is just it's the same four people again. On it doesn't matter what show you're on. You know what I mean? Like you can't mean to tell me there's not an NXT woman that deserved an NXT title shot. You know, I mean the Ripley's fighting it. You know, some dude and and some woman that had no chance of beating her. I just, you know, I, look, I love Bailey. Bailey's making me laugh. Bailey's one of my MVPs of the half year. You know, she's she's turned it around from that horrible huggy person to this horrible mean person. But there's, you're, again, you're watering down the product. Right? They show up everywhere. I just don't get it. Like, Charlotte's gone. I'm like, oh, that was good. It's over. Nope. Now we're just going to have two of them now. I mean, I like Bailey and Sasha Banks, so I've been okay with it so far. But I could, at the same time, I'm saying to myself, I'm sure I'm in the minority. A lot of people are going to get sick of this. I will say, you mentioned about Bailey, uh, possible MVP for your first half of 2020. I wonder if it was in the script for her to go honk the horn of that car because that was brilliant. I was like, I was like, she must have thought of that on her own. I mean, who would have thought? She's yeah. been killing it since day. She like. One of the categories I wanted to bring up is like who's killing it during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, not you know it's not a it's not a bad joke, but at the same time, and she's right up there. I mean, yeah. from from day one, she has taken this and run with it. Yeah, and and like nobody else really. I mean, there's very few people. I I have a short list of people I could mention who I think are really bringing it or taking full advantage of what's going on. I can't argue that one, and I mean, yeah, I'm a Bailey and Sasha Mark, but yeah, I can't argue that I think she she stood out i was surprised at how much offense they actually let robert stone get and i was wondering if they were going to have him play off as the dumb idiot manager that actually can't wrestle and he actually showed some chops um i mean i'd seen him on the indie on the indie circuit before i know he's worked in impact i don't know if you've seen him on the indie circuit but i was pleasantly surprised at how much they did let him do in that match Mm. i barely glanced up during that match all right, fair enough. Now, um, bef- we're going to be covering some stuff that happened before last week's uh, groundbreaking episode. Uh, first off, we had the series finale of The Last Ride. During that, Undertaker basically said, "If that, uh, that's probably my last match, and I'm good with that. Um, but you never know if Vince calls me, you know? The AJ Wait, Styles what? match is the last match? That's what he indicated on that series finale of The Last Ride. I don't believe it. You don't believe it? Mm-hmm. I don't either. Especially now that the Sting rumors are coming up again? Eh, I think that ship sailed. Well, so is so is the Undertaker, but, you know, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Yeah, well, I think he... This is the thing. When they say that Boneyard match is the last match, could it, could it stand up enough that that would be acceptable? Yes, but I feel like a character that iconic should be ending in front of an audience. Not in a cinematic match. That Boneyard match was not a match. Yeah. So to me, to me, it wasn't a match. It was a, it was a movie. Right. If you're looking to end on a good match, that wasn't really a match. I, I could agree with that there. Now, if you were trying to just end the character on a great moment, you did that. I personally, I wouldn't necessarily bring him out for WrestleMania next year. I would have him. 
kind of let's bring it full circle uh this year's survivor series that's that would be his 30th anniversary or 30 years in the wwe i would have it end then then you're not expecting him to carry the load and maybe you have brother love maybe on the other side managing the team against him or for him whatever you have aj styles involved in the match i I think there's so much you could do with that last match opportunity but we know he can't go like he used to um and i dare say even if he did have the match one-on-one and aj styles at wrestlemania like we were hoping for or well not everyone was hoping for but the match that we thought we were going to get it might have been very good it might not have been great so at least if you bury him in survivor series where he made his debut run it full circle seeing how that's how he had his first match in the WWE, I think that at least hides the weaknesses enough that he goes out looking on top. He can get the ovation in front of the fans, even his peers. I feel like it's been watered down the way they, they've had to go about it. What, what do you think? How would you end it? I don't want him back in the ring. I think, so, I think you just have okay. like a ceremony, and you just congratulate him for his career. Mm-hmm. And you know you, you have his peers talk about him, and you let him, you let him. You know, to me, the perfect ending is when was it Roman Reigns where he put his hat down and coat in the ring. That that should have been it right there. That that was the perfect ending. It's just like Flair. Flair had the perfect ending, right? Shawn Michaels put him down. That was it. He had a good run. They always tend to they always tend to ruin it. They always tend to have to do more, and none of these these guys hold their word for whatever reason. I mean, I'm sure it's money, but like even Shawn Michaels, I mean, right? It's enough Saudi money under his nose, he came back. Why? It, obviously, their legacies aren't that important to them if they're willing to put them on the line in every match, in my opinion. Okay, so while you don't believe this, that was his last match or moment, you do you you would say that's it. Well, it's becoming. I mean, Flair became an embarrassment. Yeah. And the Undertaker is kind of is embarrassing himself, in my opinion. Yeah. You know that Goldberg match was a disgrace. <sighs> Please. And Enough neither one there. of them should be near, let near a ring anymore. I don't care for what. I don't care how much money. They at some point you got to say, you know what? I'll be a special ambassador. I'll become a commissioner or whatever. But I'm not stepping in the ring anymore. I can't do it the way I could. You know, it's a little. It's one thing to lose a step. It's another thing to lose five steps. And the Undertaker's lost five steps, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, even Flair uh, looks disturbing to me now. Uh, like, I wish he'd stay away from the ring. He looks really old. Yeah. I I also wish I didn't have to read on social media everybody crying about he's 70-something years old. He shouldn't be there out there with the COVID thing. It's like, all right. If he wants to be out there and they're okay with that and he's not rustling, whatever. I mean, that's what you're going to nitpick. Uh, let's overlook the fact that both roster, both WWE and AEW rosters, none of them until recently are even wearing masks in the crowd and what have you. Meanwhile, Florida, Florida's had more cases in one day than pretty much any other state, and it was several days in a row. Yeah. Florida's so, going to put us back under lockdown. If they haven't already in some respects. I mean, Rob and I are both residents of New Jersey. They were supposed to be more opening up today, and of certain things and that got pushed back and it wasn't for anything our states did it was more for fear of what was going to happen with tourists i guess but although now they, yeah although now they restricted what tourists can come in here anyway and it seems to be a could have a wrestling match with all that <laughs> so 
All right. Uh, we had Matt Riddle debut on SmackDown a few weeks ago, and same day that allegations came out that we discussed last week, uh, he goes over on AJ Styles. Last week, he was one of, I think, four or five guys that got to hit a move on King Corbin, and the rumor is he's going to be feuding with King Corbin. Uh, first off, Corbin, Undertaker. Corbin using Undertaker for cheap heat. I, that really threw me off. I really bothered me because I'm like, first off, nobody wants to see Undertaker versus Kim Corgan. Second, why are we using this for cheap heat? The Undertaker's not going to get as a one-upmanship here. I mean, the whole Undertaker tribute was thrown together last minute because there was a bunch of positive tests at the Performance Center last week. Do you think Corbin using Undertaker to get cheap heat was a good idea? And then what did you think of Riddle's debut and where they're possibly going with him? Well, first of all, I don't know why AJ Styles had to be thrown to the wolves. He just had a five-star match against Daniel Bryan. And the very next week, you have him job to somebody who isn't at his level, in my opinion. I mean, I like Matt Riddle, don't get me wrong. But, like, why why AJ? You couldn't have picked somebody else? Was it, you know? And, I mean, like, the problem I have with WWE in this case is, okay, he's pinned AJ Styles. Now, where's he been? Like, where's the momentum? This must mean he's going right to the title, right? He's going to win the title next week because... You're going to put him in a main event, a pay-per-view match on TV, beating a former multi-time world champion. So that must mean next week he's getting a title shot, right? And he's going to win. Well, no. Now we don't see him again. So it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why they picked AJ, of all people. There's so many people on that roster he could have stepped on. You want to work up to an AJ match six months from now? I'm in. When he's established himself on the main roster... But I don't know why you would sacrifice your top, your arguably your top star, to a guy who just came in. You know, I don't get it. And as far as Corbin goes, he's X Pac. He's he's the uh, 2020 version of X Pac. He's got X Pac's heat. Everybody hates him, and it's not in a good way. But he's big, so Vince loves him. So okay, so I I was okay with him getting the win over. AJ, because um, to me, I felt like it was them trying to make a big deal out of him with his debut and not quite on, uh, maybe put it one step or one notch above what they did with John Cena when he had his first match against Kurt Angle all those years ago, um, taking it to the limit to a top guy. Um, the IC title match, I mean, maybe that's where AJ would get his get his his revenge i think it was jericho and cena didn't they trade wins right after that whole angle cena thing occurred something like that I think so. I years ago. and i feel like that's what they're trying to do with aj here um i don't think riddle necessarily comes out in the continental champion out of it but um if he's just gonna go and face uh the king of jobbers king corbin yeah what's the point right i mean that's a step down yeah um now, we've heard a lot of issues with the now former Impact world champion Tessa Blanchard. She's no longer with the company. Where would, If you were her, if you had a choice, where would you go and who do you think should sign her? Who needs her the most? AEW. AEW. Okay. I think um, you sign with WWE, you're just a number, another person. Right? AEW really doesn't have a an established women's division. She instantly gives them credibility. Her father's already there. 
You know, I, I'm not the first. I mean, I think I read Jim Cornette said he thought AEW should sign her for whatever she wanted, and that her father would be able to keep her in line. Because from what I understand, she's a real head case. At least that's what I've read. Right? I mean, uh, Impact goes and puts the world championship on her, and she can't bother to do her job. You know, so I don't, I don't get it. Um, have you seen her wrestle? Uh, I saw her at uh, the Mae Young Classic match uh, that she had. Uh, I've seen her a little bit here and there. Um, I did watch the match where she beat Callahan for the title, and I was the majority of it. I was like, this just isn't believable enough to me. Right. Um, I don't. I which didn't, is, I didn't which agree is with another the fact, issue. Yeah, I didn't agree with the fact that she should wrestling men. But you put her in AEW, you put all the other women on notice, in my opinion. Raise your game. Right? If she goes to WWE, you know, where are they going to put her? NXT? You know, I mean, you, you see who the upper echelon is, and she's not going to break that. So for her, I mean, maybe the money would be better, or maybe it's the prestige of joining WWE, but as far as career goes, she could make her career in AEW, in my opinion. See, if they brought her into WWE, I would have her bypass NXT. Um, and go to what brand? Right now, I'd probably – I'd start it big. Uh, I'd have her go over to Raw and call out Charlotte and basically say, I'm going to go through the four horsewomen. You have no right to be calling yourselves that to begin with. Um, Charlotte's the only one that has some right because at least her father was part of it. So I would play off that. I'd have her going through the four horsewomen, but steadily over time. Um, that's my thought on it. And we know Becky Lynch won't be back for a while, so you kind of build up to that. She could get get that win over Charlotte. She could get a win over Sasha Banks, get a win over Bailey, and eventually when Becky comes back, then you could finish that off. That's, that's if she went to WWE. Um, I will agree with you, though. I think AEW at least would be... She, she'd be that... That diamond in the rough. Um, She'd be their Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, which... They need. For some, yeah, with somebody with her attitude... Uh, with the attitude uh, problem that she supposedly has, I think AEW would probably make better sense because WWE is not going to put up with that crap. Um, she wouldn't... Not that she wouldn't be one of the top in WWE, but she wouldn't be that diamond in the rough um she wouldn't be the one standing on the top of the mountain um and besides that charlotte's there (laughs) are they gonna let charlotte come down off that mountain probably not the only thing that seems to be stopping charlotte and her momentum is whatever enhancement surgery she's getting right now now, speaking of Charlotte, uh, she's out of action. Uh, we know Sasha Banks is challenging Asuka at Extreme Rules. As much as I want to see Sasha get the title, and as much as I think Sasha being thrown all these matches almost every single show now is partially to test her to see if her body can hold up, because I think they still are concerned that she might be injury prone, I just don't see them having Asuka lose the belt to her. So, who are Asuka's challengers while Charlotte's out of action? Uh, we know Nia Jax isn't going to be in the picture, and they probably did that to have her stay strong because she didn't she didn't really lose to Asuka cleanly in either one of those matches. Um, as much as I want to see Shayna Baszler versus Asuka, it just seems like Shayna Baszler has disappeared since WrestleMania. 
So who who's left? Who who if Asuka gets past Sasha, let's say Charlotte's out longer than what they're initially saying, who's next? Because I can't think of anyone on that Raw side that's ready for that. I have to say I'm completely disappointed in how they're booking Asuka. They're making her look weak. Like she looks like she's lucky. And she's not. She's great. And I think they're doing her a disservice. Maybe it's uh, her tag team partner. So, so you're saying Kyrie Sane is her? Yeah, I mean, she, they haven't been doing anything with her. I mean, now she's been hurt. Um, I mean, oh, I can see them going to Natty again, you know, because I mean that's what they seem to do every once in a while. They 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 dust her off and throw, you know, give her a bad attitude. Yeah. Let her do some horrible interviews. Um, because she can, you know, she can put together a decent match. I don't know, keep the seat warm until they figure out who's next. I don't know. I mean, I think they're doing a really poor job on Raw uh, with the tag teams as well as with the women's division. I think they're they're just mailing it in right now. They don't know what to do. I'd argue that every single title right now on the main roster is in that position. Um, I mean, Drew McIntyre is going to be defending against Dolph Ziggler, who's been doing job duty for how long this year? We're going to see Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt in a non-title match uh, in the Swamp Fight. Yeah, which is theatrical again. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I, I don't have anything, I don't have a problem with the theatrical. Um, I, at least for the storyline, at least they're bringing it back to the original Wyatt family. So, okay, whatever. But who's Braun really defended it against to make us think that he's a credible champion? Uh, you beat Bray Wyatt in a sweater. And you beat the Miz and Morrison, who really have been a comedy act. I mean, God, the Miz took the pinfall for Lucha House Party and that eight man the other night on SmackDown. So, and he, and on the and on the SmackDown tag team division, you actually got several several teams there. And the second that the Forgotten Sons had one guy who wasn't even actually part of the tag team, really, he was kind of their muscle guy, tweets out something stupid. Why wouldn't you keep him off the TV and still have the other two guys? Yeah. Well, the other thing too is like you got someone like Randy Orton, who, right, could could keep a seat warm, in you know, as a, ch- a challenger to Strowman, or you could have Sheamus, all former world champions. Orton's on the Raw side, so it would probably be Orton and Drew McIntyre. All right, well, McIntyre but, then, but then you yeah. could go Sheamus and Strowman. Yeah. I mean, why not? Honestly. They're both former world champions. It's it's a self made. Instead, you've got, like you said, they they bring over Dolph Ziggler so he can job out to McIntyre. Yeah. And you know, like Strowman, who cares? I mean, I'm not even gonna watch that thing. It sounds horrible. I'm tired of this stuff. I want to see wrestling. I don't want to see movies. If I want to watch movies, I watch movies. Mm-hmm. You know, once in a blue moon, it's you know an attraction. Now it's it's just become the norm. And I, I think they're just, you know, it's like the new toy that they're just going to keep playing with till it breaks. And I hate, you know, I, I don't, I haven't liked any of them really. You know, the Money in the Bank one is probably the only one I found entertaining. I think the ones that I had the biggest issue with was the Gargano Champa one, um, which had such high expectations. I hated that, um, sadly. Uh, the finish, the finish was original enough. The rest of it was, was disappointing. And then that whole Street Profits, Viking yes. Raiders thing in the last pay-per-view. The rest of them, I'm like, I'm okay with them, but how many times are we going to run the well on this, uh, run to the well on this? I, I, 
I don't. I agree with you. I, when I when I heard Swamp Fight, I was like, you could do that on SmackDown as a segment. It doesn't need to be on the pay per view. Um, I don't know. And that kind of leads into a uh, big topic that I'm sorry I'm going to steal from Busted Open Radio last week uh, with Billy Ray and uh, Dave LaGreca. They spent quite a bit of time discussing the rustling style being used today, um, the lack of selling. Um, we have the cinematic matches that are going on now. Ratings are going down. I keep hearing how this is a rustling renaissance, and I'm thinking to myself, if you go and look at the amount of viewers for, let's say, we have four big shows. Raw's not even cleaning, clearing two million. SmackDown's just clearing just over two million. Let's round that off. Let's say that's four million. And then between AEW and NXT, maybe that's another 1.5. So you're looking at 5.5 million views. And how many of those are unique viewers? Are we really in the Renaissance? Yeah, no. I don't. Yeah, I don't find it compelling. Um, the whole gymnastics spot fest thing. I've been complaining about this for a long time, but what uh, Bully and LaGreca were both saying it. Um, there's a lack of the selling, the storytelling in the matches is not there anymore. And I think that's part of the reason why I read reviews from all these guys like your Melsers and I'm a fan of John Canton and his stuff. And Canton's a little bit more realistic, but like Melser, it's like the spot fest get like five stars. And I'm saying to myself, I'm at a point with all these matches. First, all of them with the spot fest, they're happening so often that I'm kind of eh. And I got to be honest, half the time I'm rewinding the matches over and over and over again because I'm playing around on my phone because I'm just not interested. Mm. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, my I think I've I've uh, stated my complaints in the past, but I'll list them again. Uh, big guys and little guys doing the same moves. Everybody does the suicide plancha, whether you're Keith Lee or you're Adam Cole or you're uh, Drake Maverick. You know, everybody's doing the... Um, the sling blade, like I've seen, you see that all the time now. Everybody super kicks. Like no matter who you are, if you don't know how to do a super kick, you probably can't wrestle. Wait, hold on, hold on. You you ready? Go ahead. Uh, I just super kick someone. Mm. Poor Emma. <laughs> I'm sorry, my yeah, my, my my dog's looking at me like, what'd you do that for? Um, you know, uh, kicking out of finishers, right? Um, I, I think I saw, I think it was during the private party match with Santana and Ortiz where they gave, I don't, part the private party guys, I can't remember their names, but they gave the thin, the thinner guy, they gave him a off the top rope, um, power bomb into another power bomb into another move. Like they did like four moves in a row that would kill any, anybody. And the guy still kicked out at two. And I'm like, Come on, guys. You know, like that. That at that point, I was kind of like, all right, this match went from like a, a four to a three because of that. Because I can suspend disbelief. I I already am. I'm watching wrestling, you know, and I know it's fake. But at the same time, you know, give me give me a little credit. You know what I mean? If it, a normal guy would kick out of a move like that, and then you see like the match finish, and you're like, wow, that was only one move. You know, like, should should he have kicked out? Because I mean, he took four. The other guy took four moves two minutes ago. So I, I don't know. It's just um, it, it's a lost art. Selling is a lost art. 
nobody knows how to do it. Yeah, I mean, even a guy that we praise consistently, MJF, Luchasaurus hit him with a power bomb and he jumped up, hit a super kick, and then collapsed. Yeah, well, there's that too. There's that. We have to like return the move. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like. And like the nip ups. Really? Everybody can. Like, remember Shawn Michaels is the only one that used to be able to do that? Yeah. Now. Four of them. We had four of them in the one match. I was actually I was way I was hoping Wardlow was gonna face plant on it or full on his ass and when they, he did it to him, I was like oh, I mean that's that's why you almost have to respect a Timothy Matt Thatcher match yeah because there's two guys who just kicked each other's asses yeah and didn't kick fly jump you know there was I think there was a one super kick in the match I saw but the rest mm-hmm. of the time it was Matt wrestling it was grinding it was submissions yeah I mean it's gone you might as well just you, you might as well you know bury it. The art of selling is over. Yeah, I feel like AEW is taking that indie style and just brought it onto mainstream TV. WWE is starting to let a lot of it creep into their wrestling now. And meanwhile, I'm like, okay, do the math. I don't care how many of you marks are in the crowd screaming, this is awesome, and what have you. The ratings are going down. They're going for smaller arenas in some cases, especially on the WWE side. We're seeing photos of half-empty arenas and what have you. When are they going to take a hint? You can't go by TV and pay-per-view because those will always fill. But even those aren't filling. They're putting people on one side of the camera to hide the fact that the arena's half empty. There's been plenty of photos of that before COVID started where SmackDown was half empty on one side. I mean, th- this, this is awesome? No, it's not. No, it's I not awesome. I, I find live crowds are some of the dumbest people I've ever seen. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't chant this is awesome. Yeah. You'll know when it's awesome. Right. This ain't awesome. This is a yeah. Wednesday night match at 9 o'clock. It's not awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was watching some video clips early this week of some of the biggest crowd reactions. On One of them was uh, Punk coming out for his match with Cena at Money in the Bank 2011, stuff like that. And it seemed like it was after that. Maybe it was really after Punk went away. And I'm not, I'm not blaming Punk. It's, I think it's coincidental. But you go back watching matches from the 80s 90s 2000s whatever and there were certain moments that the whole place just went ballistic cheering and what have you it was deafening instead we're getting chants where half the time i'm like this is the crowds trying to just draw attention to themselves yeah they're trying to make a moment and you can't do that i mean if this is awesome then what's steamboat flair yeah i mean you know we got and that's the other thing we got so many matches that star rating wise are comparable to that steamboat Flair, Steamboat Savage, um, Michael's Undertaker, Bret Hart versus Bulldog, Perfect, whoever, that quality-wise might have been the same, but because it's happening so often and the fact that they're not selling, I don't care how many freaking moves you're doing, I'm not coming back to watch your match ever again. I mean, I was listening today to last week Friday's uh, fill-in episode for something Russell with Bruce Pritchard, and they were talking about AJ Styles' Versus John Cena at the 2016 SummerSlam, which I remember at the time I thought was great. But as I'm listening to them talking about it, I was like, I also remember them kicking out of each other's finishers left and right. And I feel like that was really what started. It was like, oh, Cena did it. Styles did it. Now now we have carte blanche to just, we could all do it. Well, I hate Cena's finishing move is the stupidest move I've ever seen. So <laughs> I would kick out of that on purpose. I'm not, you're not pinning me on a fireman's carry. You know, but like... AJ Styles gives me the Styles Clash. I'm not kicking out. Like there are certain moves, yeah. there should be no kickouts. Yeah, I think absolutely. like when Triple H delivered the Pedigree, no kickouts. 
Yeah. Shawn Michaels delivers the, the sweet chin music, you don't kick out. And like you need, you would to me, you need to get special permission to kick out. You would have to come to me if I was the owner and be like, "This is what I want to do, and here's why I want to do it." Like like when Shawn Michaels does it, like in the first part of a match, I don't mind somebody kicking out because it's early yet. But you know the the whole thing and late in the match, you know he delivers the super kick, and you know the Undertaker kicks out of nine super kicks. I mean, come on, you know what I mean like. At some point, there's got to be a rationale that goes along with this, you know. And instead, it's now it's yeah. every week. Everybody's kicking out everything. If it was once in a while, like in a really, really special match, like that Cena AJ Styles match was like a dream match that we never thought was going to happen. So at that point, I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I'm okay with it. I loved the match at the time. Now I'm looking back and I'm like, you know what? That kind of started a trend because now everybody's freaking doing it. Well, it's not and their it never fault. really stopped. You know what I mean? It's not their fault. It's just that they, there's no um. Everybody wants to have the greatest match ever, and you can't. It sometimes just things fall into place. Like I remember, um, for some reason, I was thinking about back in the early '90s. There was an angle where Flair was was supposed to go up against Vader, and it was if he lost, he had to retire. And you know, you were like, "Come on, Flair's not going to beat Vader." And even the way he beat him, it was he you know he rolled him up and got a pin. But I mean, it was so well done. It was believable. Flair sold like mad for Vader. I mean, not that you had to sell all that hard for Vader, but I mean, Flair took, I think he lost teeth over that. I mean, he got his ass kicked. But that's important. Nobody's willing to go the distance anymore. Nobody's willing to put that kind of emotion, that kind of uh, feeling into it. Everything now is, is, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of shots, you know, let me hit you with every finisher I've got. All that's lost. I mean, it's it's the generation. I think it's the young generation now. You know, here I am, old man. You know, get off my lawn. But they want instant gratification. They don't want these slow builds. Like I'm really surprised AEW is going so slow with Omega and Page because I think under normal circumstances they were already would have broken up, feuded, and they moved on to somebody else. Omega and Page is AEW's answer to Sasha and Bailey. Yeah, <laughs> we're still waiting for or that. Taz one. and. Uh, Sabu. Test Sabu. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't there like injuries that caused that match to keep getting postponed and yeah. the fact that the pay-per-view could, couldn't get clearance for a there while because like of that, stuff? But the other thing was Heyman kept them apart. Yeah. He never let them go all the way. Like they would get into dust-ups, but they never met in the ring one-on-one. Yeah. On purpose. But, I mean, Heyman, yeah. same thing with Dreamer and Raven. I mean, Dreamer never beat Raven. Dreamer wrestled Raven 100 times. He lost 99 times. And yet people ate that up because eventually Dreamer got that last that win. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody has the patience. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's... It's always on fast forward. Um, the long builds are long gone. I mean, this... And then, and then at the same time, then I'm complaining about the whole... Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt feud because odds are I'm guessing at SummerSlam we'll see The Fiend and then if The Fiend beats him for the belt and I'm sorry in my mind I feel like he should I think Braun's title reign has been a complete joke um, then do you even consider Braun's title reign a success? I don't same with Drew McIntyre I don't feel like there's enough meat on the bone there um, I know Randy Orton a few weeks ago had called out the NXT style about the leg slaps uh, but he was really, he was on 
after the bell with Corey Graves a few weeks ago, and he was basically saying that these guys are wrestling these great acrobatic, crazy-ass matches. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but they're not wrestling smart. And that, I think that's a huge part of it. You know, if you're going to go out and you have to get all your moves in within the first five minutes every single time and then kick out of everybody's moves every single time, it, it it's not as exciting anymore. Well, I don't even think he was going that direction. I think he was more going like your career's going to end early. Well, that's because true. you're you know you're diving over the top rope and you know that's you're true. putting your 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 butt on the line for a TV match. Yeah. You know you're not there's you're not you're not saving anything for the pay per view. You remember? I mean, uh, the one thing I used to hate about WWF back in the day was every week on TV, you know, they would say, all right, you know, Bob Backlund and Greg Valentine are going to go at it, but they never actually went at it. Or they may have a little dust up on TV. But then you got to the Madison Square Garden card, and there they were, and there were all the moves on display. Now, because of TV, the, the, to me, pay-per-view is a waste of time. I don't even know why they bother, because you can get the same matches on TV. They just re- And, like, how many times do they do the rematch on Raw? Right, Sunday night we have a match. Monday night we have the rematch. So there's not even any build. I mean, that's, there's no there's no build. There's no anticipation. You're getting it all for free, and they're doing all of their moves. Like, I mean, if you've seen one Seth Rollins match, you've seen them all. I mean, he he does the same moves every time. There's nothing. There's they don't they don't ever try anything different. They don't bring anything out. Mm. Uh, you know. For a pay-per-view, like I'm, only, you know, I'm gonna start using this match, or I'm gonna try, you know, I mean, they're just, it's the same thing. Do you think the fans of today would be able to accept something like a Hogan-type deal, where Hogan didn't really wrestle on TV very often? He made appearances. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. I mean, people complain about about him being a part-timer, but if he was a part-timer and he wasn't the champion. Would people be okay with that? I personally think that would be fine. Um, so I don't see what the big deal is. I think the problem with Brock was, and this goes back to what you saw in old school ladies in the 90s, the champion had to defend the title once every 30 days, and all of a sudden when Brock became champion, that went flying out the window in no time. I mean, the other problem with Flair didn't always defend the belt on TV, but he yeah. gave interviews on TV. Exactly. exactly. He was a presence. And what they would do is they would just they would just say, you know, this guy's going to go up against Brock and Brock's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically your Brock match, right? Your Brock setup. There's never any – there's rarely ever any kind of personal vendetta or, you know, Brock just coming out wanting to beat somebody up on TV. Or It was like Brock would disappear for three months at a time or they'd have a pay-per-view and he wouldn't be on it, which to me is unheard of. I mean Bruno, Backlund, Flair, they were on everyone. Every garden card, unless they were hurt. Every pay-per-view. You don't get to skip pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the champion. If you're not going to show up on TV every week, you damn well better be on that pay-per-view. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I mean, the, you got to give Cody credit. Mm-hmm. He's on TV every week defending that belt. Yeah. You know, he said he would, and, you, and like at Cena, at did you know give Cena credit when he had the U.S. title? Remember, he's like, I'm going to defend it every week on TV. Good for you. You should. Somebody should. Some sort of a television title where that that's at least getting defended every week. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it 
without the con we were talking about all the controversial stuff that happens behind the scenes that make us wonder why are we okay with still watching it and now we've spent about a half hour ish discussing why we have a problem with the style and what's being presented so doing a lot of questioning um one of the things i do find though is i go back to watch something even in the 2000s like 2005 ish and stuff Stuff that I'm like, remember watching and thinking, oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. And now I go back and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's like I'm more accepting of it. I look look at it more fondly. Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, the Attitude Era, there was a lot of crappy matches. Yeah. But at least there were angles wrapped around those matches. Yep. Right? I mean, when Al Snow had a segment, he wasn't just wrestling, he was wrestling for a reason. Right, he's either tagging with mankind, or he was with the Job Squad, or he was fighting uh, Boss Man. I mean, there was always they they really paid attention to the undercard, and I feel now they don't do that at all. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, and then and then we uh, we'll get undercard guys out of the blue all of a sudden are getting title shots like Dolph Ziggler, and it's like you didn't even earn it. You've been on a losing streak for how long? Um, Andrade and Garza already lost their tag team title match at WrestleMania. Now it looks like they're going to become the number one contenders again after they jobbed them out for months. I, I don't know. I mean, at least AEW with the rankings, at least you got to get some sort of win streak or big win to even qualify for a title shot, not just come out and declare it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that Private Party won and now they're getting an immediate title match. Makes sense. Yeah, I, the only thing I thought was interesting was that was definitely a fill-in because Moxley is not defending his yeah, title. Yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is, but my point is at least it's consistent. Yeah. They're like the win, they get the winner of tonight's match, whoever that might be. So, yeah. you know, Paige and uh, Omega win and Private Party get a title shot. It's It makes sense. I, I, when they announced it, I was kind of like, am I really supposed to believe that Private Party is going to win? Because I feel like best friends were higher ranked and more qualified than Private Party has been but yeah i don't know all right so that's all i got what you got anything you want to throw in there um (laughs) i can't tell you how disappointed i was that uh renee young's big announcement was a cookbook (laughs) um i wanted to go look i feel terrible that you're sick but who cares (laughs) when's your husband coming back uh, Fight for the Fallen. Apparently, AEW is going from one special event on TV to another. Yeah. I thought that was, I, I, that, that was another thing I thought interesting when they said that they was being moved to July 15th, Fight for the Fallen. I was saying to myself, well, what if he now catches it? Or why couldn't you? Why did that match have to be recorded today? Because supposedly night two was recorded today. You definitely split up recording of matches before. I think Hager faced somebody a couple months ago. I think it was Moxley, actually. They did that title match in Jacksonville while the rest of the crew was somewhere in Georgia. They taped them separately. Did we really need to announce now that Moxley and Cage wasn't going to happen? Could you wait until next week and record it at the day of? I, I don't know. A lot of questions there. Um, I'm trying to think. Other than that... No, I guess uh, I think we've covered it all. All right. So we'll be back next week to give our thoughts on night two of both Fighter Fest and the Great American Bash. I think 
think that's we'll still leave us just short of Extreme Rules. I think Extreme Rules is until the 19th. Yeah, it's so we got two some weeks, time I think. Yeah. yeah, so we still got some time on that. I uh, want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, also, hope you're enjoying your vacation and you don't listen to this until you get home. Like I should talk because we know listen to every episode of this while I was on vacation last year. But you could check out Freddie on his Instagram. Um, I'm not going to announce what that is here. If you don't have it, too damn bad. Uh, I will give you mine. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Drew for 316. Reach out to me. Rob does not have an Instagram, but that's okay. But you could find him on Twitter under RobFaint1. This is the Sports Frenzy Podcast sold out. You can follow us on Sports Frenzy Pod on Twitter, Sports Frenzy Podcast on Instagram. And we hope to see you guys soon. Have a great 4th of July weekend, folks.